I don't think I'm being overly pessimistic. I don't think I'm saying anything shocking to say, man, we live in a world of injustice. We live in a world with a tremendous amount of injustice. As a matter of fact, injustice is the dominant reality of, of the human experience. You know, there are injustices that, that sweep whole people groups or, or nations. And, and then there are some injustices that are lived, experienced, felt very, very privately, very, very personally. There are injustices that devastate and ruin a life. And then there's injustices that just make life much more difficult. And then there are injustices that are just annoying, right? There are injustices, man, praise the Lord, that get caught, right? That have their day in court and the wrong is righted. But boy, there's just a whole bunch of injustices for that's not the case. A lot lot of injustices never seem to have their day. But they will have their day. There, There will be a day that the Lord God, the Almighty, the Judge of all says, Today, injustice will come. Now, kind of hard to grasp what will make that day the right and perfect day. And, and by that, what I really mean is, don't we kind of wonder why that day hasn't already happened? Seems like there's plenty of places in the world today, and, and gosh, really throughout human history, where, where God could have said, uh, you know, enough's enough. But, but clearly that day has not happened yet, but it will. That, that day will come. And do you understand that, that when that day of justice comes, it will leave this earth, And it will leave humanity in ruins. Now I'm trying to think, you know, what what would be my mindset? What would be my mood if the place I'm living is in ruins? If humanity is in ruins? And you know the scripture actually shows us what people are saying and what people are doing when that has happened. As a matter of fact, when the dust clears... And Jesus is standing there. And really at that point, the the final judgment, what we refer to as Armageddon, is still out in front. But in that moment, with all this ruin, you know what humanity is saying? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Salvation and power and glory belong to our God. Why are we praising Him in the midst of these ruins? Why are we exalting Him and, and worshiping Him? Because His judgments are true and they are just. Folks, do you realize with all we can't see, with all we can't put together, with all that we can't make sense of, a day is coming where we will see every place that somebody has wept over injustice, every place where nothing made any sense, every place we would have thought if there is a God, and if He is just... Where is He? Why not here and now? All of that. We'll see every one of those. And we will be in awe of how absolutely just and perfect God handled every situation. Every situation. There won't be one person in human history that will be able to look at God and say, What about, what about right here? What, what about this? No, in everything we will be in awe of His justice and His perfection. 
Oh, I, I believe in that day. I believe in that day and I hope in that day. Now I understand for, for, for many, that, that idea of my faith, my hope is really is kind of fantasy, isn't it? As a matter of fact, some would charge me with something worse than fantasy. They might say I'm delusional, even dangerous. It's, it's delusional to believe in that. And you know what? Honestly, I'm not, I'm not offended by them thinking of me or you in that way because I, I, I get it. I see the evidence they're looking at. I mean, we're talking about thousands of years here. No, no God has come back. No, no justice is being done. Chapter after chapter after chapter is being added to the story of injustice. I told you, hear something about it. You don't even have to be but what, three years old? I mean, how much does a three-year-old process? What, what kind of abstract ideas can a three-year-old put together? But, but you don't have to be a lot older than three before you will on this planet utter the words, that's not, that's not fair. I mean, by three, we're feeling and experiencing injustice. And life will only bring to that three-year-old more reasons to say, that's not fair. I don't, I don't have to convince us of this, do we? Do I? No, story after story, week after week. Maybe one story just to kind of get us in a context of, of understanding where we are and what goes on in our world. And we, we know, but, but one story, kind of a story I found and kind of got attracted to, especially in light of Black History Month. It's, it's a story actually that comes out of West Point. Shock and awe, huh? Never heard me. Never saw that coming. Hey, let, let's just put it on the head. We got about three more years of hearing stories about what, but it'll pass. It, it will pass, okay? So yeah, Henry O. Flipper. Henry O. Flipper is the first black cadet to graduate from West Point. And he did that in 1877. He had gotten a nomination from his representative in Georgia. And while he was the first to graduate, he was not the first there. Actually, when he got to West Point, he joined four other black cadets uh, there at West Point. And folks, honestly, as as I think about Henry getting there, it's hard for me to fathom how he survived. Not how he graduated, how he survived. You know, as, I've, as we've got our, our boys there, one of the things that, that Karen and I have done, we've just kind of gotten caught up in the whole learning about West Point. And pretty much, if there's something to read, we've read it. If there's something to watch, we've, we've watched it. And, you know, so we've learned a lot about the story and the history of West Point. And one of the things you pick up pretty quickly is that's a largely unpleasant place to spend four years. You know, that's not, if you're looking for a fun college experience, you don't want to go anywhere near that. It's not fun. Uh, it's not pleasant, especially if you're a plebe, a first-year student. But while that is true today, it would be so much more true even back then. As a matter of fact, it was such a rough and difficult place to be that when Douglas MacArthur became the superintendent there uh, in the real early 1930s, he actually began to put some policies in place that in the process of, of training, and probably the more appropriate word at times is hazing, that they could not physically harm you. 
because that, that was going on. And, and Douglas MacArthur had good reason to try to bring a change to that because when he was there as a student in the early 1900s, and, and think of who this is happening to, he arrives there the son of a two-star general. He, he arrives there really the model cadet. He's going to graduate number one in his class. He is literally excellent at everything that goes on there. And in the process of hazing, they hazed him to the point that he was hospitalized. Now, I I say all that to say this. If that's what white people were doing to white people, can you imagine dropping a black man down into that environment in the 1870s? And that's why I say I can't hardly imagine how he survived. But, but he did survive and, and graduated and was commissioned a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Was the first black officer to lead regular troops in the U.S. Army. And did so with, with distinction, did so with great competency. I mean, he was really very successful immediately and right away. And, and that's why it was kind of odd that he could not shake the rumors. The rumors of what? Yeah, that's right. Rumor, rumors of what? You know, you never can track down who says it. They said. A lot of people are saying. You know, what, what evidence? Well, there's no, you don't need evidence for rumors. You just need words, right? And, and he could not in that environment shake those rumors and those words. And he ultimately was court-martialed. And given a a dishonorable discharge. After all he'd been through. After all he had succeeded at. With no evidence of any wrong. Just rumors. And you read that. And you you, you can't help but say. Man that's not fair is it? That's not fair. That's not right. But hey the good news is. This story doesn't end with injustice. This story ends with justice. The court martial was overturned. His dishonorable discharge was changed to an honorable. Things were righted. Fifty-four years after he had died. 1994. 1994. You know what? I I don't know how many times I've I've stood in this pulpit and said, it's always right to do right, right? It's never too late to do the right thing. But honestly, when I read that, it, almost, I felt, it was almost like that's adding insult to injury, right? Man, it's a good thing. Good thing Henry O. Flipper lived in the land of, of, of justice and liberty for all, right? You know, let's, let's think about that for a moment. America, America, the, the land of liberty and justice for all. You know, that we really are, that this people, this nation, we really are kind of a, a unique human experience in culture and in government that has this idea of, of, of liberty and justice. And I'll use the word for all, probably most appropriate to say for the very most. I mean, I mean, it really has for the, the very most. And, and while we stay kind of dialed in on our failures, the reality is we've been so successful at this that over the course of a couple of centuries, we really have brought a lot of other nations along. A, a lot of other nations have, have, have stepped up. And yet, in the, in the midst of a, of a nation really growing and thriving with this idea, yet even in the middle of that, injustice thrives. Injustice goes everywhere. It, it, it touches everything. And don't, don't hear me as joining the band of the... And, and folks, the only appropriate word I can think of is the band of the ignorant 
that bash America because of how unjust it is. There are injustices, yes, but understand humanity. On a planet with almost 8 billion people, there are 5 to 6 billion people that wake up every single day and don't expect there to be justice because they've never lived a day on this planet where there was. So it really is unique what has been accomplished here. And yet in the center of really in the human story... And right here in the center of a place that really has experienced liberty and justice for the very most, injustice thrives. And injustice continues. Our three-year-olds know to say, that's not fair. Why why is it we say that? Why, Why does a human being anticipate, why does a human being expect Justice. Do do you understand that coming from where our world is, coming from a purely secular scientific mind, you don't really need fairness for anything. You don't need fairness and justice for the Big Bang. You don't need fairness and justice for evolution to work. You certainly don't need fairness and justice for survival of of the fittest. You don't need fairness and justice to work for a nation to be okay. Because a whole lot more nations have thrived without justice than have. You you don't need fairness and justice. And injustice is such a common experience. So why do we expect it? Because there is a God. Because there is a God and He is Just shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right. Folks, it's God that gives us a definition, a picture, an idea of what is right and just and good. There's no concept of justice on this planet today that is outside of, that is above what the Judeo-Christian scriptures give us. It is the Bible that tells us what justice is. It's the Bible that that tells us where injustice comes from. It's the Bible that holds out for us a hope. The hope that justice will be done. For God says, vengeance is mine. What's vengeance? It's getting even, right? Hey, getting even is my business and there's a lot of places we need to even the score. There's a lot of places where wrongs need to be made right. There's a lot of place for vengeance and I will do it. I absolutely promise you I will repay, says the Lord. Man, does that that promise give you and I the opportunity to kind of step back and just dream about the day that our enemies get theirs? You know, it's interesting, actually, what God says in verse 19 and following is that this promise is what frees you and I up to love. Hey, since I know this is going to be squared, since I know this is going to be dealt with, since I know this is going to be taken care of, I'm freed up now to love and to forgive and to actually serve the very enemies that I'm waiting for God's justice to come take care of. Now, I I understand that that, that saying, you know, it's God's word that that tells us what justice is and it's God's word that tells us that justice has come. That that doesn't explain everything. 
my making those sense. That doesn't explain why a five-year-old gets leukemia or, or raped or, or murdered. That, that doesn't explain why it hasn't happened yet. Now, actually, God does tell us why it hasn't happened yet. God actually says very clearly in 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10, very important passage. A good one. I mean, if you're struggling with injustice and, and suffering and why doesn't God do something and where is God? 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10 really answers that because it says very clearly there, I'm not slow about keeping my promise. I'm not negligent with what I said I was going to do. You know what God says He is? Patient. He's patient. You remember what I said a moment ago. When he does come and bring justice, it's going to leave everything in ruins. And God actually wants the opportunity for you and me and all the others to escape that. It says there, he takes no joy in seeing you and I pay the consequences of our injustice. What he wants for us is the opportunity to escape that. Now, if we're talking about me, pretty good news. But when I look out, when I watch the news at what's going on in schools, when I watch what's going on, I don't know, Lord, you don't need to be patient. Come on. Right? Have you ever noticed that in our call for justice, there's always an assumption that we're innocent? Always. A hundred percent of people who have called for justice have done it under the guise that I'm innocent. As a matter of fact, I, I mean, I am so just, I have the right to call for justice. As a matter of fact, I'm so just. I'm so just. I'm so all-knowing. I have such an incredible understanding of right and wrong. I so perfectly know the context of everything that I have a right to call God to the line. Hey, God, step up. You need to answer. You need to answer for these injustices. You need to explain where you are. You need to explain why you haven't done anything. And until you do, I have the right to not even believe in you. Because I'm so just. We are an incredibly arrogant lot, humanity. We know nothing of justice without God and His Word. All we've ever done is, is injustice. Oh, I, you know, I say that. I, you know, I, I, I'm guessing none of us in here have, have ever enslaved anybody. Have you ever enslaved anybody? Captured them, put them in chains, carted them off? I mean, 20, 21 million women, 21 million women in slavery right now, today. 10 million of those because of the sex trade. <laughs> I've not, I've not, been a, I've not been a part of any of that. I haven't done, I don't even, what, what is that all about? You know, I'm not pointing to any individual in here, any person in here. I'm, but, but I know statistically, statistically, most of this room, this is the good room, right? Statistically, most, most in here are engaged on some level in porn, have been, continue to be. You know, are all, are all those women in slavery? Probably not. I, I don't know if slavery is the right word, but, but what is it we, we would call it? Well, I don't, I don't know what you're watching, Pastor, but none of them are enslaved in what I'm watching. You, you know, I know this. 
If we're not watching, that industry doesn't exist. It's as simple as that. If nobody's watching, that industry isn't there. And that industry is very much a part of what is enslaving women. Do we think that what we're watching is freedom? Is that freedom? Is it, is it pleasure? You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you've seen this in the, in the news. It's, it's been there a couple of times in the last couple of months. We have now four, I believe, four uh, porn stars. I've tried to get a grasp on what, what actually makes somebody a, a porn star. You know, because there are millions, millions of women in these images and, and in these videos. Millions of women are involved in that. But, but a precious few, and I, by few, I don't mean hundreds, I mean dozens. Out of millions, dozens get this weird title, porn star. You know, their name is known. They're, they're achieving some level of success. They, they, you know, they, they've got fame. They've got fortune. They're, they're really good at this. Four of them in three months have committed suicide. Wow. You know, just enjoying such freedom... And such success that in their 20s they decided to kill themselves. But let's not kid ourselves that what we're watching is freedom. No, it's not still not slavery. No, there is actual slavery going on out there. 21 million. 10 million to the sex trade. 2 million children a year exploited by the sex trade. If nobody's watching, that's a big hit to that industry. You know, folks, the, the, the reality is probably not a hard line, but I could probably draw a dotted line to every injustice going on in this world from this room right here. Oh, come on. Pastor, that's a, that's a little bit exaggerated, isn't it? Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, probably a little bit exaggerated. But where, where does injustice come from? I mean, I'm not guilty of any... I haven't, I'm not in the news this week because 17 people are dead. I haven't done anything so that 21 million people are, are enslaved. I mean, folks, most of us consider ourselves innocent of anything because our injustices are small, right? Mine are small, they're insignificant, they're not on the news... They don't affect lots of people. My injustices are small. So here's my little injustice that touches you, that affects you. But how do I know where my little injustice lands in your life? And what that leads you to do, where that leads you to go. I mean, suppose this person that I've committed this very small injustice against, perhaps they don't handle my injustice right. Now, I mean, that's, that's not my fault if they don't handle God told them to forgive me. Maybe though my little injustice in somebody's life coupled with other things kind of leads them to become a part of a bigger injustice, a, a greater injustice, maybe one that does appear in the news. I'm a part of the chain of events. I, I, I'm a part of the chain of events. Folks, injustice breeds injustice. And every one of us is contributing. Just because it doesn't appear in the news doesn't mean we're innocent. And, and you know, this is actually what Scripture has... Well, where's the injustice come from? Scripture says, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from you. All 
All have sinned. All have rebelled. All have rejected against God and His glory. Against God's perfection. Against God's justice. God gave you and me a path of what is right and good and just by humanity, by the environment, by God. A perfect path. And we rebel and reject it more times than we can count. What are you telling me? When did, when did I, I, didn't, I don't remember rebelling against God's perfect path. Really? Seriously? You don't? Have you told a lie? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Have you told a lie? How about, let me rephrase the question. Can you even guesstimate how many times you've lied? Could you come say within a thousand of how many times you've lied? Have you disobeyed your parents? Oh, for two. And we're working through the Ten Commandments here. Now, let, 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 how about this? Hey, you committed a murder or adultery? Whew. We haven't done those. Two for four. That's batting 500 to get me on the all-star team, right? Are we two for four? You remember when Jesus walked through the Ten Commandments and he picked up murder and adultery and said, Hey, guys, you know what? If you lust and if you hate, you're guilty of murder and adultery. Matthew chapter 5. And I'll be honest with you, and this is going to sound a little bit weird coming from somebody who preaches the Bible, believes in the authority of the Bible, When I read that passage where Jesus says, my lust is equivalent to adultery, my hate. My goodness, folks, we hate people in church. And we're talking, where does the injustice come from? But when I hear Jesus say that that lust and hate, that that's the same as... I I mean, honestly, in my heart, I'm saying, no, come on, Lord. No, No, it doesn't. Hey, I bet you'd rather have me hate you than shoot you. Huh? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Don't we read that passage and think, Lord, you're really, I mean, I get you're trying to make this point. That's, you know, I finally just came to the realization that Jesus isn't really interested in whether I think he went too far in making that point. Jesus, oh, God. hey, Father, Randy doesn't think, Randy thinks we went too far there. I don't think Jesus cares. So see, it's either the burden's on me. I either accept at face value what Jesus said or I reject his word. And, and we're all going to do that. So if I accept at face value, then I just went from two for four to O oh for four. Folks, you and I have broken every single one of the Ten Commandments, in most cases, more times than we can even number. And we have broken every law, every principle, every command that comes out of the Ten Commandments that the rest of the Bible elaborates and describes on. And we have broken it. We have rebelled and rejected against God over and over and over and over. And then we say, where does the injustice come from? You know what the best news in our life is? Is that there's some really horrible people out there, right? I mean, there are some really horrible versions of humanity out there. Gosh, I guess we saw one this week, right? And so as long as I can compare myself to some guy that walks into a school and does it, then I come out okay. Do my lesser injustices make me just? Do your lesser injustices make you just? So here we are, 
And by the way, I'm not against people saying we want justice. But do you understand the contradiction in us? Here we are demanding a God of justice do something. And at the very same time, we have to hope he's not doing anything about us. Oh God, I want you to come and do something against what I've determined is significant and I've not determined that anything I've done is significant. God, I want you to come and pick and choose. And by the way, I'll help you pick who needs justice and and who doesn't. Do you realize I just gave you the definition of injustice? Picking and choosing where we're going to apply the law. Picking and choosing who gets the consequences of injustice. That's actually what we're counting on. I want you to be just with my enemies. I want you to kind of overlook anything I've done. That's injustice. So how do we genuinely and rightly call for justice and not be ruined by it at the same time? I mean, what I want, I, I want that God back in 2 Peter 3, 8 and 10 that actually said he's being patient. That, that he doesn't want me to have to go through the judgment. Hey, where is that? You know what we're really asking is how can God be both loving and just? Because they're kind of a contradiction. How can he love me and forgive me and be just at the exact same time? And do you know our God has a perfect way of doing that? Do you know that no other religion, no other philosophy... No other lack of religion, lack of philosophy offers both love and justice that work exactly together. Except God. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ, who's Christ? That's Jesus. He's the son of God. Do you know the story? He ends up hanging on a cross for you and for me. For Christ once suffered for sins. God took your sin, my sin, your injustices, my injustices, and he put them all on Christ. That doesn't sound actually very fair or right to me. But Jesus volunteered for this. Big biblical word, substitutionary atonement. Jesus stepped into my place. He took my judgment. He volunteered for that out of love. Why would he do that? Because if you pay the consequences of your injustices, you can't recover. Jesus said, I can pay the consequences and I'll recover. We call it Easter, right? (laughs) For Christ has once suffered for sins, the just... For the unjust. Folks, do you realize this whole issue of justice is central to the message of the Bible? It's central to the gospel. When we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about how justice is dealt with. For Christ has once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. That he, not my effort at justice, that he might bring me to God. Do you know there's no concept that works in reality where no matter how good you are, your injustices disappear? Live a perfect life and kill somebody and go stand before a judge and say, did you see how good I live though? I'm like a thousand to one. Guess what? The one needs to be dealt with. And I probably shouldn't have used murder because we can all escape from that. Well, that's not not me. Try that at your next traffic ticket. (laughs) I have driven perfectly for years. That's so great. That'll be $68, $100 for court fees you can pay on the way out. And wait till your insurance hears. 
See, that's reality, folks. We, we laugh at that. But do you understand why I just explained reality? There is no reality where all these good things you're trying to do and attempting to do mean immediately that the injustice and the wrongs are gone. No, they're there and they need to be dealt with. And God is going to bring justice to this earth and it will ruin this planet. Whole nother story, but he's got a new earth, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem. But when God brings that justice, he has provided a way for you to escape. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is a hiding place. In Christ, I can go and I, I, for me, it's how I've always pictured. I hide under him. I hide under the cross. And where I'm hiding, I'm hiding in a place that God's justice, that God's wrath has already fallen. The fire has already come down here and justice has already been satisfied. So when justice falls on this planet, I'm standing in the one spot it's safe in Jesus Christ. Folks, when Jesus invites you and me to, to enter a relationship with him, he, he, he's not asking us to have a moment. He's asking us to follow him through life. A life where you and I walk in what is right and what is just and what is good by everybody around us and by God. And for us to begin that relationship and that walk, our injustices have to be dealt with. Because a just God doesn't pretend you're okay. A just God doesn't pretend that none of your issues matter. A just God deals with it. Jesus dealt with it. And the way what Jesus has applied to my life, the way that I have that hiding place, is by calling out to Christ. Not calling out to how good I am, not calling out to my religiosity, not, not calling out to how I want justice for all. Calling out to Jesus Christ. Romans 10.13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls. Whoever. Whoever you are, whatever injustice you've committed. You know, I guess obviously the bulk of the message today tries to help us all realize we're a part of a great injustice but there are some in here that already feel they're a part of a great injustice. There are some in here that are so covered in shame and guilt, they don't feel they ever have a right to call out to God. That's why I love the word whoever. Whoever you are, whatever injustice is in your life, when you call out to the Lord, you can be saved. Saved from what? From the consequence of those injustices. What's it mean to call out to the Lord? Help. That's calling out, right? Help. God, I'm unjust. I can't fix it. I need you. You know, if you've, if you've never done that in your life, if you thought the whole Jesus thing was just about, you know, doing some religious rituals and cut, you didn't quite get all, maybe you know, hey, I've never done this in my life. I've not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I want to give you that opportunity right here and right now, whoever calls doesn't say go home and, and clean up some stuff and then we'll talk about it. It doesn't say, hey, you need to go to a class first and when you get a certificate, then, then bring that. No, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, whatever moment you're in, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If that needs to happen in your life right now, I encourage you just to let my prayer right now become your prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I agree with your word. 
I trust your word. It tells me that I'm a part of the injustice. Lord, I know these injustices. I know this sin is in my life. And I know I can't clean it up. I, I, I know I can't pay for it. But Jesus, I understand you have. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I want to place my life under you. I want to come now and follow you. Jesus, would you enter my life and help me to live what you've given us in your word, what is right and good and just by all. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. It's in your name I pray. Amen.